Thanks, guys. It's good to see you guys. Amen. Um, apologize. Mac World and PC World don't play well together, and it was all for the want of an HDMI cable. It would have been fine. So, it's great to be together, Amen. We want to talk some about parenting, and about relationships, and about expectations, and about what your home needs to be like. And many of us have the GDP books. This is chapters 18 through 20. It's a really good resource amongst many for parenting. And just the whole idea that it's striving to meet the needs of your family and in a positive and uplifting way. And if we could look at the uh, first movie moment, and then a second, and one second. The whole idea in this is having a spiritual mindset even in your home. Where is the easiest place to lose your mind? At home. In your home. <laughs> and we're going to watch a clip from the prize winner. And the whole the clip is how does she handle something that would make most of us freak out? It's about walking the talk. We can watch this clip. That's, 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 yep. He buys her a desk. The husband's not successful in advising the desk. She found out it took a second mortgage out on the house, and this is the first time she's... Hello, Mother, what are you doing out here? When were you going to tell me about the second mortgage? Excuse I had a feeling that day might be coming up. Is there anything left? I was going to pay it back. Without anyone ever knowing about it. Is there anything left? Skip a minute in. Yep. Yeah. 
Sometimes our reaction to the situation is worse than the situation. What did she model for the daughter? Think about how she came across encouraging her daughter to forgive dad. Mm -hmm. What else did you notice? She reminds her daughter that it's important to forgive, Mm -hmm. that she was calm. Do you think she had every right to just focus on her dad and her husband? Could she have spent the whole time talking about how angry she felt and how disturbed she was in this relationship and how wrong her dad, I mean she could have gone on and on and on about all the wrongdoings of her husband, her dad, right? But she chose not to. She chose to focus on what? So, um, I wanted to share an illustration of something that happened this week. Kind of funny when you prepare a class, what happens? These situations in your household happen. That's what happens. So, um, a life lesson I wanted to share with you. Uh, um, three people living in our home, our daughter Caitlin, Kevin, and I, and two of the three cars this week were at the mechanic. And we all work in three different places, three different times, and it just was just very inconvenient. (laughs) Such an inconvenient time. I can't take a bus and a train where I work, and neither can Caitlin. She works up in Mokisco. She can't take a bus or a train or a plane. (laughs) And Kevin works up north as well. So it's like, oh. I was feeling so frustrated. I'm a special ed teacher. Uh, this is a busy time of year where I'm reporting on all these educational testing that I've done to present to the children and their parents, rather, and you know, a, a whole committee of people 
um, writing report, and this week I had a whole bunch of annual reviews to do where I had to, where I had to really um, get to a place on time, and I couldn't because one car broke, and then Caitlin couldn't even use that car to take me to work because then her car broke, and then we had to go down the street walking with my travel bag and all down the street um, to Enterprise to rent a car for a day or two or three or however long it's going to take for things to work. Um, and it was just really a multiple uh, breakdowns of things that were very inconvenient and I was feeling really angry and really frustrated and it could have just couldn't have come at a more convenient time but this week and I was feeling really angry. I was feeling like, oh my goodness, I'm just so tired of having to bring my 2004 car to the mechanical department. It's so unreliable and it keeps breaking down. That can't, you know, it reached 300,000 miles. Car, her car broke down and I was just feeling really angry, mad, frustrated. You get the picture? Yes. <laughs> but you have to make a decision about that, and then that's where the spiritual values come in. How do you know what's under the matrix won't go to 300,000 miles? Because I was driving it at 299,999 miles for 10 miles, trying to record it for Caitlin, showing her when her car turned to 300,000 miles. She says I'm too loud. What do you guys think? Is it clear? Anyway. So spiritual values, if we go to the next slide. Dysfunction. The mother could have perpetuated dysfunction. Instead, she got the daughter to focus on good things. And does that mean that there's not problems in our life? No. Do we ignore the problems in our life? No. But if we perseverate on the problems, we, we accentuate the negative. And the idea is breaking that pattern of dysfunction, because dysfunction is the gift that keeps on giving. Now, we're going to look at four different stories and see how this got passed on in different generations. Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, and Esau, and the sons of Jacob. So if we can look, the first dysfunction is about favoritism. So the scriptures right there, you can read along or you can turn to it if you want, but you can just read along. The child grew and was weaned. Now the day Isaac was weaned, Abraham held a great feast. But Sarah saw the son whom Hagar the Egyptian had born to Abraham was mocking. And she said to Abraham, Get rid of that slave woman and her son, for that slave woman's son will never share the inheritance of my son Isaac. The matter distressed Abraham greatly because it concerned his son. There was, a, there was favoritism going on. She couldn't handle the fact that one son felt like they were better than the other son. Then in the, the next slide, in the second generation, in Genesis 25, the boys, which are Jacob and Esau, grew up. Esau became a skillful hunter and a man of the open country, while Jacob was a quiet man staying among the tents. Isaac, who had a taste for wild game, loved Esau, but Rebekah loved Jacob. How do you see the favoritism there? Did they both show equal love for both children? They, they favored one over the other. We have to be very careful when we have many children in our home that one doesn't become the favorite one and the most talked about one and the most successful one and the most blessed one and the one that gets everything that they want and there's nothing left over for child number two, three, or four. If we did one thing for one daughter, we have to make sure we can do the same thing for the other daughter. We have to parse it out. We budget it. Even at Christmas time, we would count the presents. Because they would count the presents. And they literally would. So we have to be balanced in the way we are with our kids. And if you come into families, like a mixed family like that with Abraham and his servant, we have to have balance in the way we interact with those kids in that mixed family and not try to X one out of the family. Then the third generation. Now, Israel loved Joseph more than any of his other children because he had been born to him in his old age and he made a richly ornamented robe for him. When his brothers saw their father loved him more than any of them, they hated him and could not speak a kind word to him. Sometimes the family sibling rivalry starts at the top. Because if you favor one kid over the others, the others are going to hate that kid. And we need to understand that that is something that we have to be aware of. 
that we even, it's not just one or the other, or favoring one over the other. We need to understand that the pattern can perpetuate and create dynamics amongst the kids that we have to be aware of. We could be the cause. We're like, why can't I go home to each other? And then you're going to say, well, you think he's the best. And they go, no, I'm not. But in reality, yes, you are. And we have to own it. If we can play favorites and create this unhealthy culture, then we can be able to own it and apologize for it. Amen? In Genesis 48, so when Joseph saw his father was placing his right hand on Ephraim's head, he was displeased. So he took his father's hand and moved it to Ephraim's head and asked him. Joseph said to him, No, my father, this is the firstborn. Put your hand on his head. See, even, even at that point, Joseph, you know, he still had a problem with some of his favoritism. He liked one kid more than the other, right? We need to be aware that we have to not have favoritism in our homes with our kids. The next thing is, how do you handle conflict? Which I, I have that parenthesis in there, avoidance. How do most of us handle conflict? We avoid it. <laughs> we don't handle it at all. So it goes away. It dies in someone's age. So this is, it, this is where the, the conflict happens. Abraham, she said to Abraham, get rid of that slave woman and her son. But that slave woman's son will never share an inheritance with my son Isaac. The matter distressed Abraham greatly because it concerned his son. Early the next morning, Abraham took some food and skin and water and gave them to Hagar. He set them on her shoulders and then sent her off with the boy. She went on her way and wandered in the desert of Beersheba. It bothered him greatly, but did he do anything about it? No. No. He avoided the conflict. Now, who stepped in? You know, God stepped in there and saved his son. But he avoided the conflict. And then, who knows how this story might have played out if Abraham had stepped up and addressed what, something that bothered him. But we know how God worked in it, even though he didn't step in correctly. In the next generation, it says, When Rebecca saw that her older son Esau had, had said, uh, she sent for her younger son Jacob, and said to him, your brother Esau is consoling himself with the thought of killing you. Now then, my son, do what I say. Flee at once to my brother Laban and get on. This was after Esau had been, he sold his birthright and given up what he got. You know, he'd been tricked out of his blessings. And when the mother saw that there was the level of malevolence, the death level, she could have just sat them down and tried to deal with it, right? But instead she said, flee. Sometimes we're aware of conflict in our home, but we have to go into it. We have to go and find out what it is. With one of our daughters, I had to deal with something over this last weekend, where there was a selfishness and a self-righteousness and a real back-offishness. Dad, you know, like, step back, Dad. Don't, don't delve into this area. And these are even among kids who are Christians, so, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? The bottom line is, you have to still be aware to address these things. And I had to be prepared to go in and try to figure out where was this all coming from. If I had just avoided it, it would have just really taken root and become something bad. So, he fled. Then Judah said to his brothers, what will we gain if we kill our brother and cover up his blood? Come, let us sell it to the Israelites and not lay our hands on him. After all, he's our brother, our own flesh. And what? Oh, let's not kill him. Let's just sell him into slavery. That sounds like he's a better solution, guys. Now, obviously, he was bothered that they were going to kill his brother, right? But was his solution really that much better? So sometimes we try to offer a plan that seems wise, but it's not solving the problem. It's created another problem. And we need to be men and women that we get to the root of things and not just let things go on and on and on. Um, the third thing is about children living in hostility. His descendants settled in the area from Havila to Shur near the border as you go down. And they lived in hostility towards all the brothers. This was his son, Hagar. He wound up living in hostility. In verse 41 of Genesis 27, Esau held a grudge against Jacob because of the blessing his father had given him. He said to himself, the days of mourning my father are near. I will kill my brother Jacob. Finally, in the third generation, Joseph wrote the pattern. And you got to ask yourself, are you going to see God's hand and be self-aware of your ability to break the pattern? This is in 45 Genesis. 
Then Joseph said to his brothers, Come close to me. When they had done so, he said, I am your brother Joseph, the one you sold into Egypt. And now do not be distressed, and do not be angry with yourselves for selling me here, because it was to save lives that God sent me ahead of you. He broke the pattern of hostility. If anyone had the authority to take vengeance on his brother, he was second to Pharaoh. He could have had them extinguished. Because remember all those little pots? I'm sure he was struggling. Because remember, he put the cup in the guy's bag and all this kind of stuff. And he, was, he probably struggled. But did he give in to the struggle? No. In fact, he saw God's hand and all that he endured. But he was able to break the pattern. You see, for us, a faithful leader can set the right tone. We go to the next slide. A faithful leader can set the right tone. Israel served the Lord throughout the lifetime of Joshua and then the elders who outlived him and who had experienced everything the Lord had done for Israel. Joshua set a tone, and the people that came after Joshua set a tone, and Israel followed that. We have to be able to set a spiritual tone in our home and see God in the situation and rise above the situations and get advice. If you don't know how to handle the situation, get help. Pray. Talk it over with people that you know. Talk it over with your spouse. Talk it over with friends. But the problem is you could just stand by and let it all happen. Because in Judges chapter 2, it says, After that, whole generation had been gathered to their fathers. Another generation grew up who neither knew the Lord nor what he had done for Israel. We have to ask ourselves, are we living and communicating what we believe to our kids? Or are we compromising to keep the peace? Like I told you, there was a situation that was one of our daughters. There was some feelings that were there, some expectations that were out there, things she was supposed to get done and accomplished that she was really dismissive about. And I could tell, you know, you can tell when a child is like setting up with flares, you know, not pump safety flares, but the back off flares, they're there. And I had to keep going into the situation and addressing the situation because I couldn't let what was going on happen. Do you understand what I'm saying? And we have to be patient and tenacious. Pray and really look for opportunities. We have to be the people that are willing to get into these things with our kids and in our homes to help it to be the way God wants it to be. In Deuteronomy chapter 6, it says, Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength. These commands that I give you today are to be on your hearts. Impress them on your children. Talk about them when you sit down, when you walk along the road, when you lie down, when you get up. Tie them as symbols on your hands and bind them on your foreheads. Write them on the door frames of your houses and on your gates. In our ministry, we've been modeling for the parents of little kids, kingdom kids. On Fridays, we've been having parents and kids coming together. Why? To highlight this scripture. To teach the parents in those age groups the biggest thing you need to do is talk about God with your kids in the morning, during the day, at night, at dinner. And to tell them in front of the kids. And do it in fun ways and model it for them. But it's kind of like you're telling all the parents to the kids. It's no secret. Your parents are supposed to do this with you. So the kids go to the home and ask about it. And we even have the teachers on Sundays asking the parents on Sundays, how those devotionals going throughout the week? We're working together on something. And then we have all the different devotional books set up for the kids. And the parents, they're all buying them because they want to have opportunities to have great devotionals with their kids. But you see, we have to create a culture where we expect that. And it starts in our homes. Yes. And it starts even when they're adults. Every time I'm talking with my kids, if something comes up that is kind of scary or, or difficult, let's just pray. Let's pray about it. Sometimes we can talk about a lot of things, but we need to pray about a lot of stuff on, on a daily basis. And I would agree, even if your kids aren't in the Lord or even interested in coming to church right now, offer to pray with them every day about the stuff that they're going through Amen. and their dreams and aspirations, because God will move in those things, and they'll know you care. They'll know you care. I've been praying like that. There's lots of kids I've been praying for, and I haven't seen God bringing them back. I have a whole list of kids of people that aren't in the Lord right now that they're on my heart. We have to be men and women that pray about these things. 
and pray with our kids about these things and pray for our other friends' kids about these things and ask them, how's it going? What else can I be praying for about your kids? Amen? So, this is, Annie's jumping up now, impress these commandments on your children. So, you know, scripture teaches that as parents, we're encouraged to impress God's word on our children. But in what areas, in what ways? The way they view God in all situations. The way they even view themselves. They might view themselves one way, but really encouraging them to dig and find out, well, what does God think about this? How does God feel about you in this situation? The way they view right and wrong. And like Kevin said, not tolerating sin for fear of conflict. You know, think about the things that we had to repent of when we became disciples. And in our household, are we holding to that same standards for our children? Or are we allowing sin to creep in and allowing sin to stay in our household? Really not tolerating sin, even if it means going through uncomfortable conversations. Let me tell you, the more I roll up my sleeves and <laughs> pull something out of my hair, you know, it's just sometimes being a parent is so hard. Right. Even when you have kids who are disciples, and it's those uncomfortable, awkward conversations that you gotta have with with our children. But when you push through it, even though you know it's uncomfortable to talk about, the good that comes from it is amazing. You know, and I, and I can I have a number of you know experiences with that with my girls, even as young adults. That when I feel funny things or think of funny things or uncomfortable situations, just diving in and starting that conversation and and really talking it through, even though it's uncomfortable, great things come from it. And we are so much more united and bonded in our friendship as mother-daughter like never before. Um, the way we view others is another thing that we can talk about to impress them on our children. Um, the way they view conflict and relationships, forgiveness and reconciliation, and the way they view even repentance. These are all areas that we can be bringing about in conversations with our children. So, you have to, it's, it's not just a one-time talk, right? It's a conversation that's going to happen over time. And you've got to have time to spend with your kids. Brothers and sisters, you need to have a framework with your kids. Even when they're adults, that you're still a part of their life. They still need you. Like, one time we went down to visit the church in, in Roanoke in the, by Virginia Tech, and it's like two-thirds college students. And they're just, they were following us around for affirmation and confirmation of their dreams and desires. Because they're college students, but guess what? They're not fully grown yet. You understand what I'm saying? We need to be able to be available for our kids and show care and concern, not just like, oh, you're in college now, you're an adult. You got a job now, you're an adult. You need to still be a, how are you doing? How are things going? What can I be praying for you about? What do you need me to help you with? What can I do? How, what, do you, what, do you, what do you think you don't understand? Sometimes we just expect them to be perfect and not a perfect when we figure out, well, we're done. And then it's as good as it gets, and they're going to have to figure it out. That's not, they need us. They don't need to feel like they're alone. Oftentimes kids will get overwhelmed and discouraged when they feel like they're alone. They don't feel like they have someone that they can go to anymore and be vulnerable with. Now, we're going to look at this, if we go to the, the, the mad black woman, this is a Tyler Perry. It's a movie moment about the way you need to view God.
touching on how are we dying tempted to feel weak, defeated, helpless? I can't do this, Mama. I can't go on. How do I do this? Just feeling very hopeless, right? And yet what value was her mom pouring into her? You got this, girl. You can do it. Who's your God? Just pouring and pouring and moving out her faith so that her daughter can have hope. And it just reminds me of the role that I need to play with my children. That when they don't feel believed in and they feel beaten up by the world, that i got to keep pouring my values of God into them. Amen? Amen. That forces me to just keep saying thanks to God, right? Yes. I've got a big job to do. Because you think, like, things come. They're good. They get mad. They're good. No. Nope. They get a job. No. No. Nope. Sorry, bro. There's more to do. <laughs> because they're still growing up. And they're facing new things. And there's new victories and new highs. There's new love. And they need to know that we've been there before them and they can come and talk to us about them. But we can show them how God has led us. And our God is taking care of us. We have to shape our children's view of, of themselves even. You know? We have to shape them about the view that we have with God. That's what, I mean, I mean, not that I'm going to say this is a model for anybody. You didn't know this. But when we got married, we were both unemployed. We both didn't have jobs. Wow. Yeah, right? We were engaged. We were, we were interns for the church. It's kind, of, it's kind of ironic. We were interns, and now we're elders. But at one point, we were unemployed by this church. <laughs> was it was nothing we had done. There just was more staff than there was money, and they had to figure out who was the most valuable player. And I wasn't an MVP that year, so I was okay. I trusted God. Even in that, I never got discouraged or negative or down on the church. I trusted God's hand. But why am I telling you this? We got married with nothing. And then the little bit we had, we turned around and we sold it and we went to Africa with nothing. And we took a chance. And God opened doors. We need to have those stories of faith and the victories of trusting God and the reasons to trust God exists to share with our kids. Because there's a lot of reasons to pull back and to make sense out of the world. And there's not a lot of reasons to trust God and step out of our faith. But if you don't do it, you're not going to have a story to share. That's right. And look at Ingrid. Look at the changed life that Ingrid has. Think about that. Amen. And then Luke. Having to tell Lou he couldn't come to church until he repented was the hardest thing. He was a great friend of mine for years. It was hard. That was like taking air away from most of you. Taking fellowship from Lou and Ian is like taking air out of your lungs. He's like, <laughs> But we can't tolerate things that are wrong and sinful in the church if someone's not repenting. Amen. He's repenting. Amen. But see, we have to have that same heart towards what's right and wrong in our homes. Some of us let kids in our homes do things that we wouldn't want them to do because we're afraid of confronting it. Some people let them bring boyfriends and girlfriends into their homes and stay there. What? That's insane. But it's happening. It's happening. We should not let that happen. And if you hear it happening, you need to speak to it and say, Have you lost your mind? Radicalo. We need to be honest. Amen? Amen. Now, their view of themselves. We do need to build them up. Because what does the world do? It tears them down. That's right. And even their best friends that aren't Christians, they're going to get them into stuff that's ultimately negative. So, do we declare their faults and weaknesses and shortcomings? Or do we highlight their strengths and God and relate to them? Sometimes we went through the exact same things they went through. They're like, uh huh. Yeah, I, I know. Yeah. Instead of like, I was there once. Sometimes we come across like, I told you that was going to happen. So, what did you? I, I, I told you. Instead of, you know, I did that once too. That happened to me once too. And when you're praying with them, not just the exorcism and prayer. Lord, get the demons out of their soul and come into grace on Jesus. Help them see Satan fighting for their soul. But real spiritual prayers. Where you're getting down on their level of the struggle. Give them strength. Open their eyes. Help them to speak. Give me wisdom. Give us understanding. 
You know, I prayed with them every day for years. For years. In the morning. I called at 7 o'clock in the morning. They didn't have to be at school until late 40. At one point, they were like, Dad, this is too early. And I said, this is my daddy right. God gave me this right. And I'm going to pray with each of you at like 7 o'clock in the morning. Because I started work at 7.30. And I left the house at 6.30. And that was the only time I could talk to them. So each one of them, five or ten minutes, we talk about their day, and we pray about their day. And I figure out how we can connect through the day. And the other part is, we make sure that we had dinner with them. Now, we were very fortunate. We had dinner with our kids just about every single day. Now, if you can't do that every day, it needs to be most days that you have sit-down time with your kids. Amen. Amen? Even now, like I said, we pray regularly about a lot of things. Now, this is a, a short video of facing the giants about the way they view themselves versus what God can do with them. The one called Facing the Giants. Father's in a wheelchair. I don't know that he can do it. got Joshua Webster. He can do the 45 yard field goal. I think he can do it too. Dad, I can barely do the 35 yard field goal. I think I'm very damn hard. That way I can't mess up. That's for your son. I just don't want to marry the team. Dad, I asked God every day since you were a baby that He would show you how strong He is in your life. And that through people you would see how good He is. That's why He made me so small and weak. To show you how mighty He is. Why don't you get washed up for dinner? We can finish this later. Alright. Now, that's a scene, and later in the movie, there's a scene where he has to get to the field goal that will win or lose the game. I recommend watching Facing the Giants because it's a movie about faith and victory and overcoming big obstacles in your life. But in that scene, the father stands up and forces himself out of the wheelchair and raises his arms up like a field goal. And the son kicks the winning field goal. We know it's a made-for-movie moment, but the point is that there are times when we are going to have to tell our kids and pray for our kids and, and talk to them that we can see the way God's going to work through them. That their weaknesses are actually strengths. That their deficits are actually opportunities for God to do great things. And their strengths need to be the areas that they're humble and grateful for their blessings. Amen? But we have to have a good view of... Sorry, I took we have to have a good view of the way that we're going to get them to see themselves in God's sight. So if we go to death, so don't grow weary of doing good. We have to continue. Sometimes we can be just not taking time. We can come home and we can be like, I'm tired. And don't ask me any questions. Don't talk to me. And we can create a little bubble around ourselves where we act weary. And the scripture says, don't become weary in doing good. Don't let that happen. We have to continue to step into the situations with our kids and believe in them and build them up. There's a scene from another movie, Flywheel, and Eddie will share. And this is where the, the son gets to see what the father does in a very difficult situation. Let me see that. Where'd you learn to draw? I don't know. That's pretty good. I'm going to have to put that on the wall when you're done. You stay right here, okay? Hey, Mary, how are you? Fine. All right, Mary. I'm not very Um, I'm here to get the car back. The son's watching this whole conversation. Can you tell me what's going on? I'm so far behind on payments. I can't get caught up. Mary, you only owe twelve hundred and sixty-five dollars. I know. I just can't afford it. If my husband's been out of work for a couple of months, and it just seems like every week there's a new bill, one on top of the other, and we just can't catch up. My son, he's sick, and we're going back and forth to the doctor and a banner, and I just don't know what else to do. I don't know what we're going to do. The car's been great. I just, I don't know what to say. I'm, I'm so sorry. I mean, I just feel like I'm making the right decision here. I really... Mary, I believe you. I know you're dying. But you've been one of my best customers. And I just pray that God helps you through what you're going through. The title? The car is yours. You're paying in full. Your daddy's a real good man. Look at him smile. Let me tell you, women, 
our children are watching. They're listening to us. They're listening to how we respond to our spouses. They're listening to how we're correcting our, their other siblings. They're listening to the way we speak to our mom, their grandmothers, and their grandfathers on the phone. They're watching us. And what kind of role model are we being for them? Um, they're, they're viewing right and wrong in what we're doing and how we're interacting with other people. And you know that outcome, um, that situation about this week where both of our cars, two of our, of our three cars broke down? And you know, I was so tempted, I was emptying the dishwasher the other day, and I was so tempted to just rant and rant to Kevin. I'm so tired of it! I'm so tired of it! And not allowing difficult situations and challenging situations to define who I am. Yes. And I probably should start acting more spiritual. So I decided to just say, okay, God, you got it. I just wish I had a easier car to drive. But I decided to be different and keep my mouth shut. Amen. And my prayers unto the Lord. And Caitlin and I were walking down to the Enterprise on 233rd Street, right down the block. And we just said, okay, we're going to go rent a car. And I kept my mouth shut. And I just prayed God I wouldn't have to, you know, drive her up to Mount Kisco for 10 o'clock before I had to go to a 9 o'clock meeting and a 10 o'clock meeting and an 11 o'clock meeting and all of the details to figure out in a short period of time. And she's not 25, so I just really pray that we won't have to pay the extra fee because she's under age of renting a car. And all the details. You know what? I can't figure all of this out. My brain hurts. So, guess what? How many of you know Shonda Davis? Do you know her sister was sitting there wanting to rent a car too? And when I invited her to church, she said, sure. Are you the church that you can meet at Wayne College? I'll go with you. I flew with my sister Shonda. Now Shonda moved to Atlanta. Did you know who moved to Atlanta if there wasn't a strong church there? Did you know that? Like, I said, you want to come to church with me? She said, yeah, I'll go to church with you. <laughs> hey, I'm not done telling you the story. But the guy, the corporate manager, who we rented the car from, I said, thank you so much for letting me uh, even rent a different car that I even signed up for. But uh, I'll rent it, and he was excusing all these fees. But guess what? I said, before I go, I want to invite you to a great church I go to. He goes, I really want to go. I was thinking just the other day, I need to start returning back to God. He said, seriously? Yeah. I said, thank you, my husband's wife. He goes, yeah, here's the number. Tell him to call me because I'm coming. And guess what? I'm not just going to come myself. I'm going to bring all these other all these other people that I work with, the men and women there. I'm going to bring my team with me, too. Is that okay? I'm like, yeah, okay. <laughs> and then we walked out there. Kelly was able to drive, even though she was under 25. And um, I said, Caitlin, you think they were open? She goes, yeah, I think they were really open. And I said, maybe that's why the cars broke down. Yeah. You know, but I just felt like, you know, I needed to set her an example of keeping my mouth shut instead of, you know, rumbling while I was renting out the dishwasher, ramping and raving and carrying out like a big baby. And I decided I'm just going to trust God to figure out the details and great things came from it. Amen. Amen. Have we ever blown it with our kids? Now, guys, when we blow it with our kids, sometimes we're prideful and we don't want to admit it. Sometimes we want to admit it so quickly and move past it because we don't want to sit in the pain that we caused our kids. So we're quick to apologize and then we insist on them forgiving us, but we never take time to empathize with what we did to them. 
Do you understand? Yes. So this moving moment is brought to you by Will Ferrell and Kicking and Screaming. And we're going to close with this. Yeah. But it takes a relationship where they know they can tell you things and even 
If it's not pretty, you're going to be able to hear it. And I was able to encourage her through that and pray for the situation. But we have to have that dynamic. Amen? I appreciate the time you guys took. I apologize. I appreciate your patience when we were sorting out our technological issues. Next time I'll bring an HDMI cable. Amen? <laughs>